All right. I am going to go ahead and get started here. Um, so, two weeks ago, we met, we kind of had to kick off, we, we had a potluck, um, but then the last probably 30 minutes of our night, we spent some time reading scripture, praying together, um, and we, we, we talked around this idea that thinking about God and what we think about God is a very important thing. In fact, I think it imp- impacts every area of our life, and so, therefore, we, we must think rightly about Him. And so we talked about why it's important to that we let God's Word shape like what we think about God, and that we hold on to the things that God's Word says, uh, hold on to those ideas about God that we have that, that, that are confirmed in Scripture, and that we should discern and, and reject ideas about God that we have that aren't confirmed in Scripture, and that all of those ideas um, and all of our knowledge of God should ultimately um, change us, and it should have an impact on us. And that's really kind of, I think, a, a good backdrop for what I hope happens this summer for you and for us as we, as we study the attributes of God, that we, we don't just come to learn things, that we don't just come to, 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 to gain knowledge, but that we come to be changed um, by Him. And so I hope that the time that we spend at the beginning to kind of focus our hearts and minds toward Him and, and recalibrate kind of um, our 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 life toward Him before we jump in is a, is a really beneficial time for you. Um, so, tonight we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about these two, these two attributes. Um, and it's going to take me just a little bit to get there because I want to I lay a little bit of groundwork. Um, and, and the first one is, is this, and this is going to sound pretty cliche, but God is so different than us. In fact, I put four O's. You could put three. You could put, you could put five or six, I guess, but no less than three. Because he is so different than us. So I don't know if you've had a chance to, if, if you've had to recently try to explain or describe someone to someone else before, but recently, so two weeks ago, my grandma passed away and um, she was 95 years old, 94 years old. She's, you know, for the last probably three or four years, she's been touch and go. She, we thought she was going to go a long time ago, and she'd pull through, right? That happened so many times. And so she was ready, and my grandpa, who they've been married almost, it'll be, it'll be 73 years, June 9th. Um, they're still together. He was taking care of her. My mom and my aunt were basically every day for the last at least six weeks, um, but, but really for the last three years have been every day hands-on. With my, with my grandma. And so they, everyone was ready, and she was ready, and, and God answered their prayers. And, um, but, but I had got to be a part of planning the funeral, and I knew she had asked me to be a part of the funeral a long time ago, and so I, I was just trying to think, how, how do I explain my grandma? How do I describe my grandma to a bunch of people, you know, most that knew her and some that didn't really know her? But it's hard. It's difficult to try to describe someone, like to, to encompass someone's life in words or in, in, um, in an hour that we had to celebrate her life. It was, it's, it's difficult, you know, and, and what's also, and so I started thinking about like how my grandma is different than God. Um, and so bear with me. Okay. I'm going to kind of use this throughout our time tonight. 
Uh, I love my grandma. She was, she was an incredible grandma. She loved our family well. She was a glue for all of our family. Um, but obviously very different than God. And, and so when I talk about my grandma, I'm really talking about you and me. So, so here's, here's things about my grandma. My, she was inconsistent. Okay? Incredibly loving. Um, she, she really loved well. But she, like anyone else, like all of us, inconsistent in that um, she was good at some things and not good at other things. Sometimes she was this way and sometimes she was that way. Right? She, had, she had good days and bad days. Just like all of us. Inconsistent. God is always the same. So what I want to try to get our minds to wrap around is how different God is. Okay, so we're inconsistent. He's the same. We have conflicting characteristics. God's attributes are in perfect unity. They, they don't conflict with each other. They, they, they work in unison. We, we don't know what that's like. Um, we, we contradict ourselves. God cannot contradict himself. He is, he, is, he is the same constantly. We don't know what that's like. We have good days and bad days. We have days where we're really patient and days where we lose it. We have days where we're kind to people and days where we're not so kind. We can choose to act different and uncharacteristic. You might have an experience with somebody where you walk away and go, man, that, that, he was kind of a jerk. That's, he must be having a bad day because that's just not him. That's uncharacteristic of him. Or maybe the other way around. He was really nice. What the heck's going on with him? He's not normally that nice. Uh, so we can, we can choose to be different. And a lot of times we talk about like it's reaction. We, no, it's not my fault. They did this to me and I reacted. Um, but it's still a choice. We choose to act different. We can choose to be different. And we can be uncharacteristic. God does not and cannot. In fact, so think about this. When God acts, things are defined. So, like, we can say, you know what, I need to be more patient. I say this a lot. Um, I, need to, I need to grow in patience. I need to learn. So, in other words, patience is this thing that's outside of me. It's this thing that I, I look to others and I go, he's patient. That's what patience looks like. I look to the Word and go, that's patience. That's, what, how, that's how God is patient. That's how I should be patient. And so, patience is something outside of me. And so, I have to choose to be more patient. And I trust that God's Spirit is working on me to be more patient. God just is, and then we go, oh, that's what patience is. Like, same with love. You know, I have, to, I have to learn what love is and then choose to be loving. God acts, and we go, that's what love is. So, like, that's how different we are. We have these things that we choose to be, these characteristics that we try to be, and God just is, and we go, oh, that's what patience, that's what forgiveness is, that's what justice is, that's what righteousness is, that's what, so God is different. Here's the last thing under this idea, is that oftentimes when we think about God, we often picture Him as a perfect version of ourselves. And, and um, A.W. Tozer says, we must break ourselves of the habit of thinking of the Creator as we think of His creation. <clears throat> Um, in other words, creature thoughts and words, that's you and me, our thoughts and words, um, are limited and can't fully explain the Creator. And so we are at His mercy to, <clears throat> to provide, to reveal like who He is to us. And He's revealed that He has these attributes. So God has attributes. 
Um, and so I want to describe and talk about what these attributes are. An attribute is whatever God has in any way revealed um, as being true of Himself. An attribute is something that God has revealed that is true of Himself. So, so in other words, it's a mental concept. It's, a, it's an intellectual response to God's self-revelation. So, so when we talk about these attributes this summer, um, some, some of these attributes, God, God says Himself, I am this way. And other attributes are more like conclusions that we come to when we study the Scripture and we read these things and we go, oh, okay, then He must be, He must be omnipresent. Um, he must be omniscient. So, like, we, we conclude. So some of these attributes are direct, explicitly taught, and others are concluded. An attribute is not a part of God. It is how God is. So it's not like a, a quality that He has or a characteristic that He has. It is, it, is, it is how God is. So He does not possess them as qualities. They are how He is as He relates to us. So, so that's going to be important, especially when we, when we talk about one of these attributes a little bit later, this idea of simplicity. Um, but so he's not made up of parts. He's he's one. He's in perfect unison. Again, we don't know what that's like because we are compartmentalized. God's attributes are revealed in these three ways: His Word. And I need someone to to read Isaiah forty-two five through eight. Who wants to do that? Isaiah forty-two five through eight. Jared, surprise. Um, so first one is His Word. Second one is His Son. Someone, someone read Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Uh, Anthony, also not a surprise. And then last one is nature, in nature. Someone read Psalm 19, 1 through 4. Okay, Kelsey. So God's attributes are revealed in His Word, His Son, and in nature. Um, so read Isaiah 42, 5 through 8. So there, God is describing Himself. Um, I, I picked that one because the people of Israel learned who God was because of their, because of His His revelation to them and because of their experience with Him. And so we look to His Word to see how He acts with His people and what He does and what He's about and what He cares about, and and that's how we know who God is through His Word. What about in His Son, Hebrews one, one through three? Sustains all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of 
So it says he is that God, Jesus is the exact imprint of his being. Like he is, he is God. And it says he is the final word, essentially. And that's why we believe that God's revelation to us stopped in Jesus and in, in, in his, in Jesus' followers writing about Jesus. So, and then also in nature. Who has, oh yeah, Kelsey, Psalm 19, 1 through 4. So, God is everything around us is proclaiming who God is. So we see we see God in His Word, His Son, His in, in nature. What about how many attributes are there? There's actually kind of two schools of thought on this. One one school of thought is that there is a limited number, and and they and this this mindset is thinking like, let's let's make some categories that all these other attributes fit into. Let's systematize this way of thinking about God. And that's, that can be a helpful process to kind of put, put, put a limit to them. Another <clears throat> way of thinking is that there's an unlimited number of attributes because we serve and worship an, unlimit, an unlimited God. And this idea is really f- focused more on just the aspect of the, being in awe and in wonder at, of who God is. And so this summer we're kind of taking more of this let's be in awe and wonder at who God is approach. There's this unlimited um, number of attributes of God. Um, Okay, so another helpful picture that I think we will use, that I think will be helpful as we kind of dive into um, understanding who God is this summer especially, is, well, let me start with this. There are two categories that exist. There is uncreated and there is created. Those are, those are the two categories of existence. There is the uncreated, and then there is the created. Guess which one we fall into? Created. So there is only one who is uncreated. And so when I talk about God's transcendence and His eminence, I'm kind of going to be referring to these two categories. So let me just illustrate it in this way. Some of you <clears throat> maybe have seen this before, but... It's this thing called the arch, and I, there's a little bit of space on your paper to maybe draw this. But on, draw an arch, and on this arch put uncreated up here, and then created down below. So, this, so everything above this arch is uncreated, and everything below this arch is created. So the two categories... So God would be here, and then everything else is here. This pen, this marker is running out. I'm going to need a new one. Um, so you have God, and you have everything else. And so when we talk about transcendence, we're talking about a God who is above all things. Okay. And so I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more, but this is where we're at. Transcendent, and then under here, under the arch, we'll put imminent. 
Sweet. So transcendent and eminent. Um, so in, in these two in these two kind of categories, there's these there's attributes that fall into these. Okay, so we're going to get into that. Um, transcendence is God rising. God is above the arch, and eminence is God acts within the arch. So so to say that God is transcendent. Okay, so God is transcendent. Here's what I mean: is is to say that He is above and outside all of creation. Okay. He's above and outside all of creation. Now, this arch thing that we're talking about, it's not like, there's no verse for this. This is just, this, these are <clears throat> theologians, I guess, come up with this philosophical construct to try, and, to try and explain things, to try to understand, like, worldviews. For instance, um, we believe in a theistic worldview, okay? Theistic worldview says there is a God who created all things, who is outside of all of creation, and who acts within creation. He, he comes down and he acts within. Um, a, a worldview that is more deistic worldview, you guys heard this word, deism or deistic, is, is this idea that God created all things, but he stays there. And he just set this all in motion, and he doesn't act with, within it. So then, then you can get into pantheism, and you can rearrange things, and you can panentheism, and you can rearrange things, you can talk about naturalism and just erase the arts altogether and you know so like this is a this arch thing is kind of a way to kind of understand this is how we view God he's created all things he's he's above all creation and what we mean by that everything under this arch is time space and matter and so what we're saying is God Stands above, rises above, is above all those things. He's not limited by time, space. He created time, space, and matter. Everything we know under this arch is, is, is constricted by, by time and space and matter. Okay, does this make sense? So, to, God is out, he's outside of all this stuff. Um, he is the, he is the, because of this, he is the only necessary being. You and I are not necessary. He is necessary. Everything, everything ends if he's not there. So he's the only necessary being. So these, these are attributes that make God um, God. So I heard this illustration. I think it's good. I'm going to steal it. Uh, so w- what I want you to start thinking about is, okay, like for God to be God, he has to have certain attributes that that make him god for instance like that there's a stool there's several stools under that table over there um and i like those stools so what makes a stool a stool this i need to hear you give me some answers so like if you're going to explain a stool to somebody maybe from a foreign country um who didn't didn't know what the word stool meant but knew limited english how would you describe a stool what is a a stool does what Okay. A stool you sit on. Let's start there. Let's, I'll get to your, I'll get to your legs. Um, a stool you sit on. Okay. So for, for a stool to be a stool, it has to have a platform that you can sit on. Does a stool have to have a round platform? No. no. It can be square. Does it have to be cushioned? No. Nope. Does it have to be wood? No. Nope. And none of those things are necessary for a stool to be stool. 
has to, but it has to have a platform to sit on. What if that platform was on the ground? Would it be a stool? No, so it has to have legs. How many legs does a stool have to have to be a stool? Huh? <laughs> what? Okay. Did you know there are one-legged stools? There, there are one-legged stools. Google it. I don't know. I, I'm assuming people use it. I guess that's a kind of a one-legged stool with the wide base. Yeah, yeah. There's stools that just have a skinny. Uh, farmers use them, I assume, maybe. Milking cows. I've seen people. Anyway, we're off subject. But. For a stool to be a stool, it has to have a platform to sit on, and it has to have a leg or more-ish, right? So those, you take those things away, it's not God. Or it's, not, it's not a stool. It's not a stool. Direct connection. Um, and so these attributes that I'm going to talk about here in a second are attributes that make God God. You take those away, and He's not God anymore. So, and, and so what I'm talking about are these incommunicable attributes, okay? I'll write the word for you. Incommunicable. It's kind of a fancy term. Um, that means that these are attributes that God does not share with us. He has incommunicable attributes. He does not share these with us. Um, we don't have these. We, don't, we, don't we can't experience these or express these. And these are what makes God God. So, incommunicable. And so let me get into to those. So I'm just going to walk through. I've got five. There's probably maybe others. But these, are, these five for sure are kind of, throughout church history, have kind of been seen as like um, the main ones. The first one we've talked a little bit about, Simplicity. Simplicity. Actually, we're going we're gonna to dive into this one week seven of our summer study. But simplicity is simply not made up of parts. God is one. Uh, he is in perfect unity both in being and in character. So, again, it's this idea. We, 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 have, we have characteristics of us that, that we can choose to be and not be. We, we're inconsistent. Um, sometimes we can be, we have, we have characteristics of ourselves that are in competition with each other, that pull against each other. God is one. He is simple in that He is, there, there's nothing that's pulling against each other. It all works perfectly in, in unity. The second one is eternality. We'll get into this one week eight of our study. It's this idea that God is timeless. He has no beginning or end. The Bible says that he was and is and is to come. He's timeless. No beginning and end. That's hard to fathom. Oh, even, even the terms beginning and end are, are, are time words. And so God doesn't have, isn't limited by those ideas, those words. And so um, this, it's really difficult. I don't know if you, maybe you were a kid and you heard that God has always existed, he never began, and you stayed up late. How is that possible? I remember laying in bed going, but he, but when did he, you know, and it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mind tease. The next one, immutability. Immutability, this one is that God is unchanging in his being and, and in his character. He's unchanging. 
So think about it. Change is only a result of time. And God does not experience time, so God does not experience change. And, and sometimes this can be difficult to even understand, even, even with the Bible. We can read the Bible and go, wait a minute. Some, some kind of go down this road. They see God in the Old Testament is different than God in the New. He's changed. He's, you know, took a chill pill. He, you know, it's like having your fifth kid. You just relax a lot and you just spoil him. Like that's, that's God in the Bible. He just started really angry and he kind of chilled out over the, became like Jesus. No, um, that's not the case. The, the, the Bible describes God as unchanging, like his being. And, and so, but I, what I think happens is, we, we experience Him relationally and we, we bump up to different attributes of God and, and God responds different to different situations and different, um, uh, different situations, yeah. So, so it's not that God is changing, it's that, it's that God is the same. He is he's the same, we're just, we're just interacting with Him different. Our perspective of Him might, might be more relationally changing, but in reality He is the same. So God is immutable. Um, the next one, omnipresence. That everything is in God's immediate presence. Again, um, space. Presence is a space word. And God is not limited by space. He created space, and so therefore, um, he is, He's not spatial. God is not spatial. I, I realize you've got to make sure that's an A and not an E, because to say God is not special is not true. And that's what I have in my notes. It says, God is not special. I'm like, why did I put that? Oh, spatial. Spatial. Um, he created space and therefore he exists outside of it. Um, David says in, in Psalm 139, where, should, where shall I flee from your presence? You know, If I go here, you're there. If I go there, you're there. God is present. Um, Self-existence is the last one. And we're going to dive into this one week five. Another word for this, for self-existence, is the word aseity. A-S-E-I-T-Y. Aseity is this idea that God is self-existent. He, in other words, He is from Himself. He is absolutely independent. He is in need of nothing. Um, think about this. He is the final and primary cause of of all things. No cause precedes Him. So, these attributes about, of God are, are, are attributes that are what make God God. Makes Him transcendent. My grandma um, did not possess these attributes. Um, she was complicated and conflicted. Now, if my cousins were listening to this, they'd be like, she was not complicated. Um, she was a, a, truly a special woman and, and loving and gracious and all those things. But because she was a human, <laughs> she was complicated and, and, and conflicted. Not simple, unlike, um, not, not simple like God. Not simple and unified like He was. She was temporary, obviously. Um, this was kind of a special moment. We were planning the funeral, and my grandpa told me and when we were planning it, he said, God determined her life when she, was, when she would be born and when she would die. And, and for my grandpa, that was huge because he never talks like that. He never talks about anything, really. Um, 
except Obama. Don't get him talking about Obama. Anyway, um, but God has always been and will always be. He's, he's eternal. Her being and character changed drastically from when she was born to when she passed. God doesn't. She spent all of her life near St. Joe, Missouri. I had to go, whenever I'd see her, I had to travel to go see her. God is present to us wherever we go and whenever we go. Think about, like, think about something you're worrying about in the future. And, and, and think about the fact that God is already present there. It, it changes things. So like this, this reality of who God is really can affect like my, mo- my moods and my anxiety and my trust level and my excitement for things. She needed God to provide air, food, and water to live. And as she got older, she also needed doctors and medication and her husband and my mom and my aunt um, to keep her alive. God himself is all he needs to exist. He is so different than us. But he chose to relate to us. And so God is eminent. And so to say that God is eminent is to say that he acts within creation. That he comes down, he, he condescends to us to, to affect our reality. This again, like, is, like I said, it's in direct contrast to other worldviews of God. The incarnation of Jesus actually would be a, 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 a perfect picture of God's imminence, His ultimate expression in, in coming to be with. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Um, you could also say that, that His eminence means that He is close, that He is near. And it means that He has communicable attributes. So, He has communicable attributes. And these attributes are, are what makes... Um, th- these attributes are, are things that He shares with us. In other words, we, we can have these to some degree, but not to the extent that He has them. Um, they are attributes that makes God relatable to us. And I like to think of this as kind of a, a fleshing out of Imago Dei. Like God created us in His image. And... And he, in other words, we are to be like him. We can be like him in these ways. He created us to express these attributes to some degree. So God's communicable attributes are this. One of them is this, uh, omniscience. Um, We're going to talk about this week three. He is universally and infinitely knows all things. God knows all things, actually and potentially. Past, present, future. So how do we relate? How, is this, how, how do we have this? Well, we, we can have knowledge. We can know things. In fact, we can gain knowledge. We can grow in knowledge. Um, in fact, the Bible calls us to grow in knowledge of God. That's one of Paul's pr- main prayers in his epistles. I pray that you would grow in the knowledge of God. But ultimately, we don't have all knowledge like he does. The next one, omnipotence. Um, omnipotence. This word, actually, the word "almighty" in uh, in the Bible in ESV it ap- appears 58 times. The word "almighty" and it's it's this word, omnipotence. It's all powerful. It's unlimited in ability. 
He is able to accomplish anything He wants, possible or actual. Jesus says, with, with God all things are possible. I will say, He is not able, nor more, more like He will not do something that is inconsistent with His character. Um, how are we relate to this? Well, we have been given power. We have power to exercise our will, to actually make a change, to, to change outcomes. Um, the Holy Spirit, or actually, the, we're told in Acts, in, in chapter 1, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And that, that it's dunamis, this dynamite, this dunamis power that, that God has given us to actually make a difference in this world, to change eternities, to have eternal, uh, eternal fruit. Um, I also think it, it speaks to why we are so infatuated with ourselves. Uh, so, um, Americans don't need to be encouraged to elevate humans. Okay? We do that really well. Uh, but has anybody seen these videos, People Are Awesome videos? We, my kids watch these. These People Are Awesome videos, they're, I mean, some of the things that people do are just incredible. Like, and so it, 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 it helps me appreciate, like, God created us with, with these abilities and, and things that we can do that can be pretty outstanding. Um, but ultimately, we don't have, we don't possess all power. We don't have un, unlimited ability like him the next one sovereignty sovereignty week four we're going to dive into this one and it's supremely ruling um, all things are under his control and will in fact this one how do we express this one this one is pretty explicit in genesis one and two when god says to adam um, he commands adam to rule and subdue the earth and all the creatures all of creation. He says, he gives us, he commands this to us as his like um, mini-me's, his, his, his image bearers to, to rule and subdue. And I, think, I believe what he means by that is to like, rule in such a way that God that brings glory to God. Do it God's way. Stay in relationship with God and do it God's way. But we're called to rule and, and reign over his creation for his glory. So, next one. Righteousness. He always does what is right and just. We, we are made righteous by faith in Christ. And, and sanctification um, helps us be more righteous by the, by the Holy Spirit. And so, th this is something that we can express. Um, but ultimately, God is and always is righteous. And then the last one is love. Love is an attribute of God. Love is, there, this was actually difficult to define, and so this is what I came up with. Ultimately, he takes pleasure in his creation. But, but love is really expressed in like all these other attributes. So God's love is, is unified with the other attributes, and never conflicting with the others. God's love is eternal and infinite, never-ending. God's love is unchanging. God's love is always present. God's love is not dependent or determined by outside influences. See, you and I experience love sometimes when we do good things. We, people love us back. Um, 
you might have people in your life that love you unconditionally. That's really difficult for us to do. God doesn't have difficulty doing that. God's love is not, de- not dependent on. God's love is not reactionary. It is dependent. It is it, it's, 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 um, constant and, and always the same. God's love is pure and just and holy and right. And even in some level co- incomprehensible to us. And we can be... We can be loving like God. God is, again, because of God's Spirit, He is changing us to be more like Him. We can be loving like Him. So those are, those are the communicable attributes. These are attributes that God shares with us. And so this is where I want to go for just a remaining time together, just a few moments, is I want to get like a little more personal with you in terms of how this hits you. So which do you struggle with more? A God who is transcendent or a God who is imminent? And we could talk about which one you like the most, but I think it's maybe more helpful to, to, to think and pray about which one, which one do I have a harder time accepting and believing? Which one um, just I, 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 I kind of lose patience for? Uh, is it more difficult for you to believe that God is above all things, or is it more difficult for you to believe that He is present and acts within, that He is close and near? Is it, do you wrestle with God being too distant and unapproachable? Or is, is He a God who can, cannot be trusted to handle the big things in your life? So, we're going to take, I'm going to give you just a few moments um, to think about those things, pray about those things. And then, and then Drew's going to get up and close us out. So let me pray, and then I'll give you a few moments. God, thank you for the fact that you have revealed yourself to us. You didn't have to. <laughs> um, you certainly didn't have to, God, and you chose to. It speaks to who you are, and... And I'm grateful and thankful. I pray that, God, that we would encounter You, come face to face with You, and be changed forever. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.